contact or not at free admission for real at www.freeadmissionfr.com. Also on iTunes, my name is JP Nichols, fresh out of the Impact Zone. Uh, I would say that probably this edition of Impact was a step above last week's, which was not exactly saying much. So I would say that in terms of being nice to Impact or not, probably falling more in the middle ground this time around as opposed to leaning downward like last week. So let's get right into it. We actually had a bit of a refreshing, I would say, refreshing is probably the best word of choice, uh, bit to open up to as Mike Tanay and Taz were actually not on commentary and actually it was Jeremy Borash and Todd Kennelly who I'm actually not too familiar with. I've heard that he has been doing commentary for OVW. I heard that he was doing uh, NWA Hollywood, or at the time known as NWA Hollywood commentary, which, again, I also do not uh, think I was familiar with him when I was actually reviewing their shows quite actively. So, I don't know where exactly he came from, but from things that I saw online from other people that I know, they seem to do a good job on the first hour, and I know that that's something that's been talked about for a very long time, is that the commentary team of Taz and Tanay needs to get switched up. And actually, when they have done Tanay and Borash the few times they have over uh, the last couple of years, I thought they worked sensationally well. I've always actually really liked Mike Tanay ever since WCW. Like, uh, his knowledge always really stuck out to me. The problem is with the way that Tanay has been the last few years, I mean, or last several years, I should say, I feel like he sort of lost his uh, motivation which is sort of unfortunate to say because I feel like he can be a very good commentator when the opportunity is there for him. But with the way that the product has been, I would not be shocked if he just sort of lost uh, lost his real passion for it because the product itself had. And Taz have always just sort of been middle ground with. I've actually, uh, actually grown to really not like him on commentary at all. I used to like him a bit in SmackDown on 2002-2003. But uh, ever since he's come to TNA, he has just been very, very, uh, very, very not good, <laughs> for lack of a better way of putting it. And, I mean, he, is, uh, he has his moments here and there, but overall, not exactly a fan. So, for though, I mean, if uh, anyone listening to this wants to let me know how it was, I, I might check them out, uh, since I, considering I was live and couldn't hear them. So, moving on, we actually opened the show as well with no promo. But with a match, always a thumbs up in my book. It was actually a rematch from Bound for Glory and Rob Van Dam making his first defense of the exhibition title against former champion Zima Ion. Largely a bit of the same match they had at Bound for Glory, only a bit more condensed in time. Only went about four, four and a half minutes, uh, give or take. Uh, but they kept a really good pace. Crowd was really into it because the uh, crowd in the Impact Zone really loves Van Dam. Uh, really did not care too much for Ion, but. Actually, both Van Dam and Ion looked very crisp in this match. In fact, I thought both of them looked a bit more crisp than they did at Balfrey Glory. So, props to them. And Van Dam, of course, won clean as a sheet, five-star frog, splash, one, two, three. And then Matt Morgan rushed the ring, actually, and nailed the carbon footprint on Van Dam, and then Joey Ryan was there imposing with the exhibition title. And Morgan said Hogan should be careful what he wishes for because now he's getting a new side of Matt Morgan. So, for the look of things, we'll probably get Joey Ryan Van Dam at the pay-per-view for the exhibition title, which, not quite sure how I feel about as a match, considering I really like Joey Ryan. In fact, I probably enjoy him more than the majority of the 
uh, independent wrestling fan base. Honestly, I feel like he gets a lot of flack, uh, unnecessary flack at that. But I know that's to each their own. And Van Dam, I—it's no secret that I have not been a fan of him for quite a long time. Used to be a big fan, but pretty much in his TRD run, he's just sort of goes through the motions, unsurprisingly. But if he actually has motivation, he can be very enjoyable. But with these two, I just cannot really picture a match with them at all. Like it's just like two different, completely different styles for what either of them should be doing. And not to mention the fact that if they do end up going with a title match to the pay per view, one would have to imagine that Joey Ryan would have to win. And in all honesty, even though I'm not the biggest Van Dam fan, I'm not entirely against him holding the title because I feel like it elevates the exhibition title. And really putting him in with some good defenses here and there would actually do probably a lot for the belt. But at the same time, that if Joey, he's facing Joey Ryan at the pay-per-view, Ryan really should win. Otherwise, he just sort of kills his momentum dead. But that remains to be seen. We had Austin Aries backstage outside Hogan. Uh, actually, I missed a point completely before <laughs> at the beginning of the show, which was we saw Hogan talking to Hardy backstage and was telling him that he's taking TNA to heights that no one else could ever see. And he, uh, Hardy said he was going to be ready for whoever challenges him tonight. And he left the room and he sees all four challengers. And in hilariously goofy fashion, we were actually hearing Jeff Hardy's inner thoughts about each and every one of his opponents. And I really can't, <laughs> I really cannot describe it any better than that. It really should be seen to be believed. If you really want a good laugh, Highly recommend checking out the first few minutes of Impact. This actually was before the exhibition title match, so I apologize about that. Going back to where we were, we had Austin Aries outside Hogan's office making fun of the guys who were begging for the title shot, including making references to like their pandering, saying stuff along the lines of <laughs> one of them will go up to Hogan and say, Oh, Mr. Nanny was so much better than Mrs. Doubtfire, which I thought was actually very hilarious. And he's going to get their reactions once, once each of them gets the boot. Uh, we then had the former World Tag Team Champions of the World making their way to the rankers for Daniels Kazarian, actually with new music, and it sounded sort of poor, but standard TNA theme music. Uh, Kazarian grabbed the mic and said it's fitting that Halloween is coming because real Tag Team Champions of the World have been tricked, but have received no treats, and continues with the fact saying that it's a conspiracy against them, and said last week that Mr. Nanny changed his travel to leave Daniels to a severe disadvantage, at Bound for Glory, their titles were taken from them illegally by two men that are likely in the country illegally. Daniels stopped Kazarian uh, right then and there and said that the people are slow, and it's not really Championship Thursday since they're not getting their rematch while everyone else is getting their rematches. And they call themselves the best, they tell the truth, and they're not manipulators like Chavo and Hernandez. And Daniels said that Chavo has to mention every member of his family to get a reaction, and that Dixie is so desperate for the Hispanic demographic that they may as well be called, quote-unquote, dos stereotypicos. And Daniels had in his hand a petition that they will have the fans sign to prove to Hogan that they deserve a tag title shot. Chavo and Hernandez made their way to the ring. Chavo asked if he had heard them correctly about wanting to rematch, and he said nothing would make them happier than to help get them a rematch so they can shove the belts down their throats. They cleared the ring, of the uh, and then Chavo and Hernandez signed the petition and says they will face them anywhere, anytime. 
I assume it'll just be, again, just a match of the pay-per-view, but knowing them, they'll probably end up doing another match on television before doing the one at the pay-per-view. Which case, um, uh, Daniels and Kazarian are great. Uh, Chavo and Hernandez are at least solid enough as a tag team. They're still, they're still growing as time goes on in terms of uh, cohesiveness and whatnot. So I imagine by the time that match comes around, uh, it should be a good match, you know, as you would expect from Daniels Kazarian especially. We then had Hogan backstage with Bully, Anderson, Angle, Storm, and Hogan wanted to know why, from each of them, why they deserve title shots. Each of them makes their case and argues. Anderson ends up being the one eliminated because he really did not put up much of an argument. Anderson left and Aries was making fun of him and says that he's better than Anderson in every way, including a bigger asshole than Anderson is. And they ended up brawling in the hallway with Anderson getting the better of Aries and uh, the two ended up announcing that they will be having a match later tonight. We had Devon meeting with Aces and Aids backstage and said that he, the boss said not to lose her mask and that all of them must hide their identities. Devon then said that he has some ladies for them and he ha- they have to take someone out tonight. They throw a dart at a board of images and then laugh and they have chosen their victim. We then had a television title match uh, stemming from last week, which was Samoa Joe defending the television title against Robbie T. And Robbie E. was also present, shockingly. Uh, pretty short match, not much to it. Uh, Robbie T put up a bigger fight than Robbie E did last week, sensationally, but again, not enough to really matter. Joe ended up uh, making Robbie T tap to the choke. That was pretty much it. We had a bit of a hype package for Tara and Tessmacher later tonight, including Tara, uh, t- excuse me, Tessmacher talking about her match. We then saw Hogan meeting backstage with Storm, Bully, and Angle. And Angle felt that Ray was not focused, which is understandable. Storm says that he can relate and also feels that Bully isn't focused. And Bully says maybe he isn't as focused as he should be. And if he doesn't get the title shot, he will confront Devon tonight. Bully ended up being eliminated and he leaves to confront Devon. We had Anderson uh, ranting to a random person backstage about Aries. And then we had a match between Austin Aries and Mr. Anderson. Very long match. Very long match, actually, especially for television. Probably went about 14 minutes. Uh, it felt like it lasted forever. Uh, Aries was very funny, as you would expect. Uh, I mean, he's sort of he's sort of going back a bit to the goofiness that he had in his ROH character around 2009, and he was trying in various ways to cheat, including planting brass knucks on Anderson uh, towards the beginning of the match. And the match got a bit more back and forth. Uh, with uh, Anderson uh, actually managing to do a plancha, actually hitting a lot of his uh, big moves, including like his Trouble in Paradise kick. Uh, Aries ended up hitting the patented uh, Seeking Missile Dive through the first and middle rope, etc. Um, match actually ended with uh, Anderson. He was going for the Green Bay Plunge. Uh, Aries got out of it and picked up the knucks, and the ref saw it and took them, but Aries had another set of them and nailed Anderson. Uh, he pulled Anderson towards the middle of the ring, locked in a last chancery. Uh, ref pulled up his arm, Anderson was knocked out, and Aries won the match. Which was actually a bit of a, honestly, a pretty unique finish in the sense of uh, he used a weapon to win and then actually ended up using his finisher afterwards as opposed to the cliche, just using the weapon to win. So I actually did like that much from the match, but the match itself was sort of plotting, as you would expect from Anderson. Aries, as usual, was very, very enjoyable. Very entertaining, and in all honesty, Anderson, 
I, I'm not on the Anderson bandwagon. In fact, I'm probably on less of a bandwagon of his than I am Van Damme. But it was probably his best performance in a very long time, even though that's not saying much. I just don't know what to really think of the guy at this point. Because it just seems like he's sort of running in place, but that just seems to be the case with a lot of guys on the roster, unfortunately. But, again, it was right the right move to have Aries win, considering that Aries is now trying to find his way back into title contention with his rematch. So, overall, okay. Not much, really, to talk about, though. Uh, we had Tara complaining to Brooke Hogan about ODB, uh, and Jesse Goddard was with her, and they tried to relate Brooke to uh, as a re- reality TV star. Brooke said that she would never touch him and reminds Tara about her title match later tonight. Brooke then told Jesse that ODB has the hots for him. I swear I'm not making that up. At this point, Taz and Tanae took over on commentary. We then had our knockouts title match between Tara defending against Miss Tassmacher. One note that I have to make um, about Tara, because ever since, well, at least on the past two editions of Impact, uh, Tara has always been in incredibly incredibly loved in the impact zone like she's always gotten a strong ovation whether she was a heel or face and ever since this Jesse reveal where she is coming out with this guy I've heard pin drop reactions when she has come out the last two weeks in the impact zone it's sort of frightening actually because it's like like I said usually the entire crowd there loves her like it really can't be described how much they like cheer for her and it has gotten scary in terms of the reactions that she now gets or doesn't get I suppose I should say just thought I would make note of that but uh, Tara and Tessmacher pretty short match again these two have wrestled a lot over the past few months uh, I think maybe three or four times on television at least uh, twice on pay-per-view and I mean between Balfour Glory and No Surrender uh, so pretty much not much different than what you'd expect. Uh, we uh, Tessmacher was going for a finish, and Tara distracted the ref. Tessmacher went to the ropes, and Jesse pulled them down, and T- Tessmacher fell to the floor. Tossed her back in. Tara hit the widow's peak, and that's the end. Tara and Jesse celebrate. Brooke Hogan comes to the ring and says that she sees how things are, and that next week is open fight night, and that means Tara could get called out. And ODB just called Brooke and wants to challenge Jesse to a match next week. To which I let out a resounding ugh. <laughs> but here's a problem as well. I know that there's been a lot of talk about how Open Fight Night is supposed to work a lot differently than TNA ends up using it, but the whole point of Open Fight Night is you're supposed to call out people on Open Fight Night. Not a week before. And that's part of the big flaw with this gimmick and the way that they make it work, but it's just a, a huge headache in terms of the way that they make it work. I understand now, you know, it's like they want to get matches promoted for the following week, but with the way that they're doing it, it sort of defeats the purpose of the gimmick. That's pretty much all that I can really say about that, but without my getting my head spun too much around because of how they're handling it. And then I had Joseph Park backstage meeting with Hogan. And Park said that he wanted an answer about the Aces and Eights situation. Hulk called them gangsters, but Park says he wants his revenge. 
and he has a whole hold harmless contract signed so that he can get his revenge and TNA will not be held responsible for what happens. And Park said he was there for Hogan and now he needs Hogan's support and Hogan will think about it. We then had Bully Ray making his way to the ring for a long promo. <laughs> At least it felt very long to me. Uh, we had uh, Bully Ray thanking Sting once again for allowing him to be his partner at Down for Glory. He's been doing this a long time in the business for 20 years, and not many things shock him, but when Devon was unmasked at Down for Glory, he was completely shocked. Last week, Devon came out here and gave an excuse as to why he did what he did, but now he wants Devon to come out and face him man to man. He wants to know why he did what he did. The Sons of Anarchy theme hit. Not actually, but it may as well be. And here comes Devon, uh, along with the Aces and Aids members. They hit the ring and formed a wall between them. And Devon said that he doesn't owe Ray anything. They're not a team. They're not a family. They are nothing. Ray did what he did two years ago when Team 3D was forced to split up after losing to the machine guns. And Devon did what he had to do. And it has nothing to do with Ray. Devon said this whole thing has to do with Hogan, and that Hogan came out and said he wanted Devon back, but Hogan never called him or texted him. Hogan, Dixie, and TNA as a whole sat behind their desks and did nothing, but the Brotherhood had his back. And TNA and Hogan did nothing, and this doesn't end here. When it's all said and done, they will take out all the people that did them wrong. Uh, Devon says Ray isn't a threat anymore. And Ray says it's over when he says it's over. As far as two years ago goes, uh, Devon knows why he did it. That was between them. And he called Devon a, a liar. And that they were supposed to retire as tag team champions. They hit the 3D on Chris Saban. Devon made the cover and Saban kicked out. And Ray claimed that no one had ever kicked out of that move in 15 years, whether in ECW, WWE, or WCW, a place that they never wrestled. <laughs> And Ray said that uh, when they sat backstage, he felt like they let everyone down. And Devon said, what's the big deal? And asked why he was so worried that they're now rich. Forget the fans. And that is why Ray did what he did. Uh, Devon ended up saying, screw the fans. And Ray says that they are doing too much talking, which I was wholeheartedly agreeing with at this point. And Ray made the offer to get rid of the guys that he's hiding behind and they can fight right now. Devon refused because it will be on his time, and he said that he will let Ray know when it is time. Uh, all of them try to go to the back, and Ray says that Devon has been a coward his whole career, and he said that he uh, Devon has never had a set of balls, and that next week is open fight night, and he calls him out right now, and said threatened that someone is going through a table. So now we have two matches for open fight night, the concept where you're supposed to call out your opponent on the show. Of course. <laughs> But uh, towards the end of the promo, it actually got pretty good, but this just felt like it went on an eternity. And it really just sort of feels like it was the same exact thing, just with the roles reversed from when the two of them were feuding over a year ago. So I, I imagine when the time comes for these two to actually have a big brawl on pay-per-view, it will likely be very, very fun because... Both of them really excel in terms of structuring a match like that together, especially Ray. And with the fact that the two of them know each other really well, I imagine it'll end up working out. But, again, like I say, this promo just went on a bit too long for my taste, and it just sort of rambled and rambled, and they were like... To me, it felt like there were plot holes in terms of the way that they were uh, putting things out there. But... You know, once we get to the match, and uh, next week will likely be a bit of a schmoz before we get to a later pay-per-view match. 
With Joey Ryan and Matt Morgan walking around backstage, when asked about attacking Van Dam, Joey Ryan said that the rules don't apply to them and that he isn't afraid of Van Dam and it might be time to put some gold around his waist and bring some sleeves to the X Division. Matt Morgan said that Hogan started this with his excuses to hold him down, and from this moment forward, he does what he wants, when he wants, and where he wants. We got a video package for next week's Gut Check Challenger, which completely blew my mind almost more than anything on the show, because it will actually feature former ECW wrestler Christian York. It just completely caught me off guard, considering the way that they've had all these gut check contestants come in, and the majority of them are, like, lower-level indie guys, and Christian York has been around absolutely forever, and he was always a good wrestler, too. He's just been around a very long time, and it just seemed very out of place in terms of the way that they've been selecting these gut check guys, but... I'm actually, <laughs> the video package they did for him is actually very good, talking about how he has been in the business for a long time and hasn't really gotten the break that he's deserved, even when he was teaming with Joey Matthews briefly back in the weekly pay-per-view days in 2002. Uh, and I'm actually pretty intrigued by this, so thumbs up to TNA for this one. Um, we then had Hogan saying he made his choice, and tonight Angle gets the title shot, and that he has something huge to talk to Strom about. We then had our main event, Jeff Hardy's first title defense against Kurt Angle. Very good match, as you would expect from these two. Um, probably not up to par with the best matches that they've had together. I mean, I mean, it was probably about on par with their Bound for Glory series match that they had in September. Um, as you would expect with Angle, the match gets very crazy towards the end. Uh, Hardy, as well, he actually took a very big spill to the floor uh, towards the middle of the match. I almost thought knocked him out from how bad it looked from my angle because uh, he just got caught up in the ropes when Angle tossed him out. Then Angle sort of just ran into him and Hardy went splat right on the ground. But a uh, long match though. Went about probably about 15 minutes I would say. Uh, lots of near falls. Crowd was very hot considering it's probably two of the uh, most loved guys in the impact zone. And Angle looked like he actually had the match won at one point. There were a few very good near falls in this match. Like, uh, when by the time it took Hardy, uh, Hardy actually hit the swanton, he, uh, Angle ended up kicking out. And when Angle pulled down the straps for uh, Ankle Lock, uh, actually, no, he was going for the Ankle Slam, excuse me, and Hardy countered it into a sunset flip, and that was enough to get the win for himself. And one thing that was actually sort of a fun little trivia fact about this match was this actually was uh, Kurt Angle's first shot at the title since he lost the belt to James Storm a year ago. Which is actually pretty impressive to think about considering that when they first brought Angle in, he was in pretty much every main event, or almost every main event for like two years. And they actually managed to like sort of wean that away and actually give... Uh, New, some newer people, some uh, fresh opportunities, such as Rude, as an example, and Aries. So props for that in, in that regard. But uh, again, good main event. Actually, very enjoyable main event. Actually, but definitely recommend going out of your way to check it out. Like I said, it probably isn't up to uh, their best match they've had this year. I want to say that they've had four matches on television this year, two on pay-per-view, and then two on television. But certainly a very good match. I don't think the two of them together are capable of having a bad match together. They just managed to have a really good chemistry. And after the match, Hardy was celebrating with his titles. Uh, he was carrying his uh, Hardy Face title as well as the TNA World title. And then Aries attacked and laid him out. 
Aries then apologized for the attack and says he will announce his rematch for the title, and he's all about being fair, so he won't cash, uh, cash in on his rematch tonight. So at turning point, they will fight for the TNA world title, uh, the actual world title, not the one with Hardy's face on it. Um, and it's claimed that at turning point, Jeff Hardy goes back to the outhouse while Aries heads to the penthouse, and then Aries actually took the actual TNA world title belt for safekeeping. And to end the show, we had Aces and Eights beating down Kurt Angle backstage with Devon leading the attack until Wes Briscoe and Garrett Bischoff made the save. So, couldn't have asked for much of a stronger way to end that show following a good main event. <laughs> but, overall, okay edition of Impact. Not really a ton to write about. I, I, I found it sort of funny, actually, on note of the uh, uh, post-main event promo, because it's like last week I was talking about... Uh, how interesting it was for uh, Aries to actually not immediately say, oh, I'm going to cash in my rematch clause at the next pay-per-view. And what happens the next week? Catches it in the next pay-per-view, naturally. But main event was actually good, I would say, if not very good, honestly. Um, opener was all right. Um, Aries and Anderson could take or leave. Uh, Terra and Tessmacher, usual effort from them. Joe and Robbie T wasn't much. And at least this episode, in comparison to something like last week, this episode felt like it had much more focus in terms of like actually putting a uh, putting a structure in terms of what they're trying to get going forward. Because we got Aries now officially getting his rematch. We got uh, Daniels and Kazarian advancing their feud with Chavo and Hernandez. Um, we got uh, Joey Ryan now going after Rob Van Dam, etc. It just seemed to have a bit more direction, but again, overall, not really an overall noteworthy episode to go out of your way for, but I would definitely recommend checking out the main event. And actually, you know, even if you are in for some good comedy, Aries Daniels Kazarian throughout the earlier portion of the show all had some very funny lines to dish out. So even if you're into that sort of thing, you would like that. And, uh, yeah, I would. I guess that wraps it up for this week's edition of Be Nice to Impact or Not. Sort of fell into the middle ground. But uh, stay tuned later in the week because actually there might be a new audio potentially previewing PWG's failure to communicate, which is this Saturday, and actually might be previewing as well all three Dragon Gate iPay-per-views. And on top of that, actually might potentially be getting a review of Hell in the Cell which I know is a show that a lot of people are very highly anticipating. So just stay tuned on Twitter at, at FreeAdmissionFR. Uh, follow our updates there. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter, and I will keep everyone posted. That's I underscore M underscore Hollywood. Actually trying to get my Twitter name changed to at JP Nichols, but the person that has at JP Nichols does not seem to want to give up his name despite not tweeting really much at all. So... Again, if you follow me there, I will keep you informed on that as well. But until next time, I'm JP Nichols. I'll talk to you all again very soon.